0: What is Off The Groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack.
1: Off The Groove with Scotty Dubler. 83
0: days. Is that when you're getting married? No. Easy, easy, boy. No. I didn't know. No. I'm just throwing that out there. I know you're single.
2: Yeah. And I always will single. be.
0: I know you weren't married. Let me let me correct that. You have a girl.
2: Sure. For tax purposes, I'm single. I mean, I'm practically sure. married, but single. Totally.
0: You got two kids. One cat, one dog.
2: Right. for kids. What's wrong with that?
0: Hey, they're cheaper.
2: They are cheaper. Enough about my pets. Talk to me, Goose.
0: What do you want to talk about?
2: Let's talk about Flat Track. How about that? You want to do that? We, do, we don't We do do that enough.
0: There's nothing going on in Flat Track right That's now. That's
2: not true. There's plenty of things. What was Timonium like was what? last weekend?
0: Yeah, Timonium was. Looks like Corey Texter won again.
2: Yeah. He's super. good on those, those concrete indoors, huh?
0: He's super good. And I think a lot of it is he practices. He goes yeah. out and finds a parking lot, puts tires down, and just does lap after lap after lap. And, you know, like looks like everybody else doesn't do that I don't I don't know anybody else that's doing that unless they're just not showing us but you know when I was racing indoors I didn't practice at all I'd show up and ride and go home you know I don't know I don't know in the time
2: yeah I don't know how he finds the time either cuz he's a he seems like he's pretty busy planning that big event in January which uh, hopefully we'll get him on to talk about here soon
0: yeah I hope so there's a lot of racing in Florida in January That's, every weekend there's a race
2: yeah I saw something Robbie Bobby's did you see the thing that Robbie Bobby posted with the Thriller album cover with his face on it
0: he cracks me up oh, dude. I mean that was his social media is funny he he always picks on his daughter when he takes her to school yeah and uh, he's he's hilarious yeah
2: that that post was it,
0: I was on the floor laughing it's good stuff
2: I saw there was a what a cycle news was a cycle news article with Jared Meese too
0: yeah, it's pretty cool. There's some things I going read. It on, man. You know how much I like to read.
2: You love reading. No. It's your favorite thing.
0: I've read I've read one book since I graduated high school and finished college.
2: What what did you read?
0: The Lone Wolf. The story of Doug Wolfgang.
2: Hmm. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds great.
0: So Doug Wolfgang is my hero. Okay. One of the best sprint car drivers in the world before nice. he got hurt. And he actually went to high school with my dad. And uh, after I got hurt, he actually sent me one of his Doug Wolfgang helmets that he used to wear. And I wore that until he, he had Bell Helmet send me a brand new one. Nice. Yeah. So That's I guess it, was, book it, it was worth the read. 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 Right. What? It's got pictures in it.
2: Guess what we're doing this week. This week? One episode. Not three.
0: Oh, good, because last week was a lot of work for us. You know, three it was a lot of work three days
2: on the front end, during, Ooh. and on the back end, a lot of work.
0: I, it was a lot of stuff. You know, I was pushing buttons, just posting those. I can't imagine editing all three of those.
2: It was fun. It was good to recognize those folks. And uh, no, we're we're back to one episode this week, but it's a doozy.
0: You said we we're gonna have a Goony Christmas, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, we're we're gonna finally make everybody's wishes come true right before the Christmas holidays. The Goon is our guest.
0: Man, I can't wait to talk to this guy.
2: Kevin Lambert Jr. The Goon. Do you know the story of why he's called The Goon?
0: I sure don't.
2: We should probably ask him that. I'll ask him. I guarantee you there's a story there. There has to be. You don't just get a nickname like The Goon. You think it's because he was goon riding? You think it's because he likes the Goonies?
0: I I have no idea. I don't know the guy very well, so let's find out.
1: Goon Glass and Rubber, Kevin speaking. i may help you.
0: I need a tail section for a 1969 uh, Plymouth Coupe four-door with the exhaust coming out the left.
1: Oh, man. I don't know if I can help you with that or not, but we can give it a whirl. <laughs> What's up, Goon? Not much. Not much. How's it going, Scotty? Kevin Lambert, is this
0: the, the Goon himself? Are you actually on my phone right now? I am
1: literally on your phone.
0: Dude. We had an episode on Off the Groove a while back, and we asked pe- people who they wanted to hear from, and your name came up more than anybody else. So, it is your turn to be on Off the Groove.
1: Holy cow. <laughs> That's pretty epic. No, no
0: pressure, right? No, nothing like that, just
1: none none at all i'm just kind of <laughs> curious why everybody's so intrigued about me you know i think there'd be a lot more people you want to talk to so
0: well you, you know what evidently you've got more of a following than you realize and uh i think everybody just likes what you do and i, I know a lot of people like your videos and we're going to talk about those a little bit later on that you do on facebook but uh but first i want to get to know the goon kevin lambert is your name so goon where were you born
1: I was born in 1983 in a, in a small town in Mississippi. Well, it, sh- it isn't small, but Pascagoula, Mississippi. It's a shipping town.
0: Okay. So how in the world did you end up in Michigan?
1: Well, my parents are both from Michigan. My mom's from Detroit, and my dad is from the Bay Area, which is Standish and Conning Linwood. Dad worked for a company called Michigan Propeller and Wheel after he got out of the Marine Corps, and my parents lived down there when I was born. So that's how I got there, and work kind of started getting a little slow and they were sick of being away from home. So they moved up, up back home to Michigan. Wow.
0: So you grew up there your whole life. How old were you when
1: you moved back to Michigan? Goodness. Um, I, I my parents told me, I think I said like nine or 10 months.
0: Oh, wow. So you basically you're, you're from Michigan then, right? Uh,
1: and I tell people I'm from Michigan.
0: Okay. Well, you can tell with your accent, I think, you know, I, everybody says I've got an accent cause I live in Oklahoma, but uh, the Michigan accent's a little bit different, so you can tell that you're from Michigan.
1: Yeah, we we it's a it's a unique mix of of Canadian and Midwest, and it's a pretty big melting pot around here, different uh, cultures. So, Hold
0: on. So, how did you get involved in motorcycles?
1: That could be a lengthy one. I guess where I could start was when I was about three, and we we lived just outside of Detroit in a in a little city called Shelby Township. And my dad had, he had a couple of shovel heads and old sports there and had some racing memorabilia on the wall of the garage. So he had like a picture of Jay Springsteen and Rex Beauchamp and like the big red, white and blue Harley Davidson one. And for the longest time, I thought that the only type of motorcycle racing that was out there was flat track racing. Um, we'd watch it on. ESPN at my grandparents because they had cable and we didn't. And when we got cable, you know, same thing. We watching on ESPN or any of the other channels that had it on. And when I was like seven or eight, I want to say my dad bought us an XR80. I have three brothers, by the way. And he figured it would be, hey, great. Never rode a motorcycle. Get on a machine that you got to shift and clutch. And he sat me on it. And and I dropped the clutch and I'm riding around our, our grandparents' little compound up north. And I smacked into the tongue hitch on the trailer up there. And I actually didn't get on a motorcycle again until I was like 13 years old. Wow.
0: So at that point, did you start racing? Did you ever race motorcycles?
1: Oh, no, no, no. That's no, I did not. We, uh, um, with the family, as many of us there were, we had a, we had kind of a a financial burden pop up on us. My brother, Jesse, when he was born, he was born really sick and premature, so my parents literally liquidated anything, any of their luxury items, anything that they could, could sell and make money to help pay for medical bills for him. So I don't want to say we were poor, but I, my parents, my mother worked multiple jobs and my dad worked his full-time gig and would take on side work a lot to help pay for the bills and, and keep us involved and active playing baseball. And we actually, living in a city... Like Shelby Township, you have access to a lot of hockey arenas. So we all grew up playing hockey.
0: Okay. So then how did you get back into motorcycles? I mean, we'll talk about your 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 venture into the Marines in just a little bit, but you know, what you do now is you build fiberglass for people and, and goon glass and rubber, and that's how you make a living. So how did you get back involved in motorcycles? And you said you rode when you're little and then you didn't ride again until you're thirteen. So what drew you back into motorcycles?
1: Well, believe it or not, Ben Lau's brother, Tommy, his older brother, him and I were really good friends when I moved from Shelby Township to Holly, where Ben and I, where, where Ben's family is from, and Tommy and I met in school, and there was a lot of, of uh, friendly crap talk back and forth between one another, and one day he invited me over to his dad's place, we call it the castle, and, and that's the first time I got to ride a motorcycle since then, it was an RM80, and we actually he sold it to somebody and I had to ride it like five miles down the back roads to get it to this guy's place. <laughs> and he kind of re yeah, he re it was. And, and his dad, Bruce, Ben's dad and Tommy's dad yelled at me and Tommy. Cause he sold it at a garage sale for way cheaper than we were supposed to. And he, <laughs> he had our asses for that one, but that, that re sowed the seed back into the, the motorcycle bug. And from that point it was, um, it was salvaging a lot of old junk bikes that people were throwing away. And I want to say the actual thing that got me, like, as a motorcycle enthusiast as a whole, was, was my neighbor. Um, his name's Ardell Booth, and he passed away a couple years ago. I would say he's probably the most responsible person for really, really digging it in. And he's, he died, I want to say he was like 90, and he came here from Mississippi. He came up here when the work came up here. And he raised his kids here and he was a Pontiac Motors employee and and he was there during the good times. So he had a lot of toys for his kids. He wanted to make sure his kids had every, every possible amenity that they could have. He didn't have that. He, he grew up in Jim Crow, Mississippi, you know, and his grandfather was actually a slave. So it was really interesting having access to that history. And he would have us over and we'd shoot groundhogs out of his garden or we'd, we'd hang out and BS with him, but he had three motorcycles. And he just told me one day, he said, listen, he said, if you can make any, all of those run and ride them back over here, I'll sign the titles over to you. And wow. I did, I did that and that really sold the bug. And from that point on, it was, I didn't race for quite some time. I'm kind of sidestepping your question. I'm sorry. Um, that sold the bug. So I had dirt bikes, you know, arm one, two, pardon me. CR 125 and old YZ 400 E and a CBR 600 F three. When I got in the military, I had a really long hiatus where I didn't have a motorcycle. I was trying to get everything straight with my adult life. And Ben's brother, Tommy came back into the picture and he sold me an XR 100 with ice tires. And that's what got the racing thing going.
0: Okay. So how long did you race? I know, I know there's a, an injury in, in in there somewhere. So how long did you race and and when's the last time you raced?
1: Um, I've only been racing, believe it or not, I'm 35. I've only been racing about eight years. So in the injury, as far as the injury goes, the injury is actually connected to something that happened in the Marine Corps. And it's okay. just kind of, it's, it's kind of nagged on me since I was 19 and, and, in various forms, it might just be, you know, like sciatic pain or you can't move for a couple of days. And then it started actually putting some physical limitations on me uh, via nerve damage and stuff like that. Okay, I gotcha,
0: so how long were you in the
1: Marines? I was in the Marine Corps for almost six years.
0: Okay, did you did you travel with that or did you stay local?
1: Oh no, I, I traveled, I, I I actually, this is interesting, I joined the Marine Corps when I was 17, and my actual ship date was September 11th, 2001. Oh my gosh! I promise you, I've, I've had to have my mother vouch for me on this one. And I actually watched the planes crash into the building, and the the room goes silent because it, right then and there is like, and I get chill thinking about it. That was the reality that that you knew something's going to happen. Something like, something like that doesn't go without a response. And that led to my little field trip or tour duty to Iraq in 2003.
0: Wow. Well, I just, you know, I want to say thanks for your service. And and what a hard time to go into the military. And uh, I'm proud of what you did. And and like we said before we started recording, you said there's actually more uh, military people in the pit area than we even know about. I was, I was astonished when you said that. And I just, I guess I don't ever realize who's been in the, in the service before. And, and I knew you were, so I, I appreciate you for pointing that out to me.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and a lot of guys always say thank you and, and never forget. So
0: right on. So how did you get your nickname goon?
1: Well, I started racing, like I said, about eight years ago, and my first race was an indoor ice race, which I received a, a, a very hefty ass whooping. And, and one of those people who whooped me really bad was Gordy Chopray's daughter, Ashley. And she rubbed at my face really bad. I was kind of embarrassed and, and I was going to walk away. Keep in mind, it was on an XR 100. So you have a 28 year old guy on an XR 100. So. Fast forward a few months later to the summer, Ben's like, Ben Lau was like, Hey, let's run this buddy class race at one of the local tracks. And it's where you race on an XR 100. So I didn't know who anybody was at the racetrack except for Ben and Ben's family. And Ben starts out the race and he starts checking out. Right. So he was, he was the top guy in in the, him, him and Kyle Johnson were the guys to beat in the A class when I was riding. So Ben checks out. Kyle's on the bike behind him. We do the handoff, and when we do the handoff, everything's going real good. I'm going to the first turn, and I I hit neutral, and I'm sitting there trying to pound the bike into gear, and it's not going. And and right behind me comes Kyle Johnson's sister Kaylee. She's probably about 14 or 15 at the time, so she blows by me like I'm standing still. This ponytail's flapping in my face. I'm I'm sitting there, and my my ego gets the best of me. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not getting beat by a girl. You know, this isn't going to happen. So when we make the turn, when I come in there, I, I hit her so damn hard. My tire from my 100 got, like, stuck behind her front tire. I got launched ass over tea kettle over her bike. She was stationary <laughs> the whole time. She didn't get knocked off her bike or nothing. I get launched, land on my head, visor breaks on my helmet. I get up. I look at her, and I'm like, hey, are you okay? She's like. Yeah. I pulled the bike out and I'm like, bye. And I took off and, and Ben and I lost like a hundred bucks that day because we took sex. For so at least I beat Kaylee John. So we're up there for the awards and there's like 200 people at this award ceremony at polka dots. It's, it's a beautiful facility there. um, buried back in the woods. Eagles fly over and stuff. It's awesome. So we're sitting there and the birds are chirping and everyone's laughing. So people are drinking beers and, And they call my name to pick up my money. And I go get my money, which is like five bucks between Ben and I. And I get back there and it's quiet. And Kaylee Johnson walks up to me. And if you ever met her, she's not very tall. She's a cute little girl. She walks up to me and she puts her hands on her hips and she looks up at me and she goes, you know what? And I look at him like, what? She's like, you're a goon. And everybody (laughs) there heard it and laughed at me. So this is like, Great, great first impression to all these flat track people, right? Everyone's laughing at me. Um, you think I would have walked away? No, I I was retarded, and I, I I I signed up for another race, and I show up there, and people start walking by me, and going, "Hey, goon, hey, goon," and at first I was like, "Oh, come on," you know, it's like goon is something you associate with a hockey player, you know, that gets thrown in the box all the time or is fighting all the time, and it just stuck, and I just said, you know what? It, it, you just embrace it. It's not going anywhere it's not hurting anything and and i did and that's pretty much uh unless you're very a uh, close personal friend of mine i always say people you know when people call me by my christian name um most people call me goon everywhere i go
0: man that's awesome you need to change your id to say goon
1: oh my god i no i don't i don't think i'm going to go that far but but it okay. would be funny right. if i did it
0: so how did goon glass and rubber get started
1: Goonglass and Rubber got started almost as kind of a, I don't want to say a joke, but it was basically a form of supplemental income while I was uh, working for a company called uh, Oscar W. Larson. I picked up the trade skill at a place that I was working at after, it, it, keep in mind the recession had happened. I had two companies I worked for shut down that were good paying jobs and I kind of was was scraping. So I took a job in something I wasn't even familiar with at a a tooling and mold shop. And my boss picked up, he was like, you really, he said, you can sculpt clay, you can sculpt wax, you can work with a lot of fine detailed stuff. So they had me sheet waxing these molds for part thickness. And I worked there for a couple of years, but in the process of that, I picked up on how to gel coat, how to laminate fiberglass, uh, tooling, tooling processes, stuff like that. And I basically kept it in my hip pocket. It was something that I never, I never thought I would ever use again, but it was a useful skill. Right. So what ends up happening is, is while I'm working at Larson, I I got really big into the non-studded ice racing thing. Once I seen how much money it costs to have a brand new set of studded ice tires made and be competitive year in and year out, I was using three-year-old tires. And after I've got a brand new set from my friend's dad, Dave Rabinet, um, I ran a race. I did really well. I ran another race, did really well. And I started tapering off and I'm like, man, I really suck. And a friend of mine, father approaches me and he goes, you don't suck. Your tires are going bad. And I'm sitting there like, I can't, I can't throw 500 bucks at, at Bigelow or Craig Pickett or Ron Uplinger for debt. I, and I just said, I had enough of it. And Ben's uncle was a multiple time national ice racing champ. So he showed me, got me into the non-studded ice racing thing and, I said, well, I don't want to pay anybody to do that because I'm so cheap. So I'm going to make my own machine and do my own tires. So that's the rubber and goon glass and rubber. Off to the side of that, I had a couple of old seats that I pulled a, pulled a mold off of, an old Honda seat, and I want to say um, an old broken night. And so I fixed the night, I took the Honda seat. I pulled two molds. And when someone would buy a set of non-studded ice tires, they'd get the fiberglass for the seat. And that's how Goon Glass and Rubber got started. Um, have you, this was in a chicken coop at my old house.
0: Wow, that's that's incredible. I love the backstory on how it got started. So what else do you provide? Do you, you, do you still do the, the tires? Do you still do seats? What I mean, what all do you sell?
1: Oh, yeah, the, the tires the tires is more... It, tires have not taken a back seat by any means that's that's ramped up here in the last month or so um i wish people would have got a hold of me in september because when you get eight nine ten tires are coming in you have to stop working on 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 parts that people need for flat track racing and right now is a really hot time for that but as far as other items i provide i provide you know seats and pads fork guards A variety of exhaust shrouds, heat shield number plates like they have in the XR750 or even for the Indian FDRs. I have a a model that I made for that. Um, Shoot. Dress washers, like those little fancy number plate washers you see on people's bikes. Mm -hmm. We do those. Foot pegs, foot peg rubbers, tires, um, any of what, i now say it, I call them oh shit parts. So if you're at the racetrack and you break a throttle tube, I typically have a throttle tube that you're going to be able to use. Or if there's 450 cables and you need 450 cables, I probably have throttle cables for a 450, stuff like that. Inner tubes, tear-offs, tear-offs posts. Um, I could give you a big list of inventory, but we'd be here all day talking about it.
0: Right on. So are your customers then at the track customers, or do you sell more you know, based out of your house and, and you ship it to them?
1: This time of year, it's pretty much all all shipping, except for Michigan people that buy from me. They'll come right to my house, and we'll make a sale right here. Or we might meet someplace, like at an event, or if there's like a uh, um a club meeting, someone will be hey, can you come to a club meeting? I need two tires and a seat and a set of fork guards. During the race season, it's my at track sales that that dominate the uh, dominate the my income category. So once the track sales go down, it's Chill for about a month, and then the over through the mail sales start really picking up hard.
0: Right on. So, who's your most you know customers? Are are is there amateur riders? Is it vintage riders, or is is it pro riders, or just a combination of everything?
1: It's it's a big combination of everything. I want to say that a lot more. There's a lot more younger people out there that are building motorcycles, especially with this hooligan thing taken off and the vintage flat track thing taken off. I would say a lot of your vintage guys, your hooligan guys are starting to kind of be the biggest base just after that, I would say is your, your, I don't want to say humdrum amateurs, but your basic amateurs like myself or somebody who's got a J and M frame a C and J and they want to put new glass on it. After that, I would say that's where your, your pros fall in. So they're, 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 they're the minority base of my customers, but at the same time, I mean, there's a few hundred of them. And there's how many thousands of us amateurs out there.
0: Right. That's a good, that's a very good point. You know, there's, you know, just a, a, you know, the cream of the crop or the pro riders. So, you know, then you have, you know, there's amateur riders in probably every town that we go to. So how do you pick and choose which events you you attend? You know, I saw you not too long ago at Traveler's Rest with, with Ben. So how do you pick a race that you want to go to?
1: Typically it's um, before I got hurt, it was, Anything I was, I was going to go ride and I split my time between our local district, um, for my racing local district, Ohio and Canada. So any of those races in the boss series district 14 or flat track Canada, I hit a lot of their bigger out of the bigger races. Um, typically mostly like a track that I I like to ride. I have a good time. There's a lot of people and there's a good chance to, to, to do well there. So that's how like I pick for me personally, as far as like the Traveler's Rest thing, that's kind of all on Ben. That's like a phone call at, you know, 11 o'clock at night. Hey, I want to go to Traveler's Rest in two days. And I'm, you want to go with me? And it's like, yeah, I'll go. And I start scrambling to pack some Tupperware containers full of stuff and head myself down to Holly and and we roll out.
0: I gotcha. So do you work with other riders? I know you've mentioned Ben Lau quite a bit, probably because you're so close and, and you had the connection with his brother. But, do you you help other riders? I mean, do you sponsor other riders or do you team up with other riders to get to the races?
1: Um, Not necessarily to get to races. Well, I take that back. The Monaco's and their friend Howard McWhorter really, really, really take good care of me when I'm out West. Um, James had me cleaning pools with him out there. They have a Pacific Coast pools. They have a pool cleaning business and I would help James out there and then they got the nut farm. But between Howard McWhorter and the Monaco's, they really take good care of me, as far as like traveling to races and a place to stay out west. Um, out here, pretty much, it's either me, myself, and I, as far as getting back and forth to races and and just uh, rolling out with Ben.
0: Okay, how many how many races do you think you attended in twenty eighteen?
1: Amateur pro. Well, just
0: just a just a rough figure. What do you think? How many races did you go to? Oh goodness,
1: I would say thirty or so. Give or take. All
0: right. And did you sell your product at all thirty, or just go as a spectator to some of them?
1: Almost all of them. A couple of them were spectators, and the ones where I wasn't a spectator, I was actually working. So I I flagged a race in in Indiana at a fair uh, for RPM Promotions. That's Jeff Hires' thing, and okay. I really I didn't bring anything to sell there. I brought some tires, but I was I was I was getting my best Kevin Clark impression on out there. And, and that was the, that was the focus of the event. So I didn't want to, he, Jeff takes care of me when I work at his events and I don't want to let him down. So I have to focus on the task at hand. And that was Jeff fires and RPM promotions and not going glass and rubber at that moment.
0: Right on. So kind of off subject here, just a little bit. What do you think about Jared Mesa's dominance the last two years?
1: Whether anybody likes him or not should kind of be thrown to the curve on this one. I was kind of thinking this answer through, Jared puts in more work in my opinion than, than anybody out there. I mean, as far as his physical conditioning, um, being involved with the industry, uh, making sure he's on top of his, his race game, he's smart. He's, he's vicious when he has to be. And he's, he's, he's a racer and he's dedicated to his craft. And that's something when you have all those things in conjunction with each other, that's, that's super hard to beat. And he's earned every bit of it. So, do
0: you consider him part of the Michigan Mafia? Because I've, I've heard different responses to that. So do you
1: think he's part of the Michigan Mafia? He he didn't make it to the Michigan Mafia poster, but Nicole did. So I, I'm going to say personally, I would say no. Okay. You hear yip-yap at the track about it here and there. They're like, he's not Michigan Mafia. He's from Pennsylvania. And it's like, okay, okay, enough, enough, enough. It's like, big deal. He's not on the poster.
0: Right. <laughs> Are are you part of the Michigan Mafia? Is uh, are there is there any chance of you being in in there?
1: I I really don't think I would be anywhere near mentioned. For, are are you saying like that caliber of of talent? Well,
0: I mean, it sounds like you're very talented at what you do. You know, making seats and these tires and all that stuff. I mean, don't don't you get some credibility for that?
1: Oh, man, I don't know how to answer that. I I've never referred to me. I've never heard anybody referred to me as being part of the Michigan Mafia. I'm I'm not bashful to tell anybody I'm from Michigan though. Like I I, I'm proud I'm from here. It's important to me that I'm from here, but I've never really heard anybody refer to me as being part of the Michigan mafia. I'd be, I'd be honored if they did, but I've never heard anybody lump me in there.
0: All right. So here's a question for you. Why are there so many fast guys from Michigan?
1: I'm going to repeat a Jay Springsteen quote. (laughs) I I think I, I really do think it's the hard water. I think it's, got a lot to do with the the ability to have year-round riding i i would agree with that 100
0: percent. you know like i'm in oklahoma it's too cold to go race flat track outside and there's no ice here to race outside so we have some indoor stuff but it's nothing like you know full speed you know sliding it sideways or even being on the ice so i would have to agree with
1: that yeah and it's uh it's it's interesting because it can kind of be even tracked back to like the non-studded stuff too which is Odd. And I've heard so many people talk about what kind of separates Michigan from the rest of the country. And I've heard people say rough racetracks. I've heard people say, oh, this is this motocross trails. And the first thing that comes to mind is is like when, when the lakes freeze, everyone's out there, like everybody is out on the lake and that's, that's what you do. If you're, if you're a flat tracker, you're out there on the lake riding every weekend. And if you can squeeze it during the week too.
0: Wow. I've always been told that the ice, you know, raced on the ice. It's it's faster. It's more consistent than dirt. If you've got a good set of, like you said, ice tires or studded ice tires.
1: Yeah, you're 100% true on that one, Scotty. It's ice riding. Ice now with the tire technology, as far as you know, the studded stuff's come a long way since Byron Milasso through Craig Pickett to to Brian Bigelow. Uh, these guys were 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 masters and are masters of their craft. So it's like the last studded bike I rode, I I I was confused because it, it, it wouldn't even break loose on me like you're trying to break it loose and you're you're almost road racing it around the turn that's that's wow. just how good the tires are
0: that's amazing i mean just just thinking about that you know an average person can't even fathom that your tires are hooked that hooked up to ice so that's pretty impressive let's talk about 2019 just a little bit before we let you go but uh what are you most excited about the 2019 season coming up
1: i'm really excited. I, and I've, I've, this has kind of been a dream, sitting back and watching it all happen. I've been really exciting, excited about Ben Lau stepping onto the the production twins class, and I keep beating his name up and everything. But I'm, I'm, I'm just thankful that I'm, I, I met those guys and they got me involved with everything. That's that is hands down the thing I'm most excited about is is that kid getting on a twin, and I, I feel like he's at home in that class.
0: Okay, that's a very good point. I've. You know, I call his name a lot. He's a super nice guy. I talk to him every time I, I see him on my pit walk. Anytime I'm walking through the pits with a camera or without a camera, and they're always, always super nice people to talk to. And you know, sometimes he doesn't get the recognition, even though he's real consistent, when he gets up there and starts winning, if he does that in the in the production twins class, I think he's gonna make a name for himself.
1: And and I agree, he's got the thing about Ben and, and Mia Moore asked me about it because she's she takes pictures at the races and and she's like, well, wh- why doesn't anybody like talk of this kid? He's, he's this, he's that he's, I'm like, you know, I couldn't tell you. I said, he's kind of got the all American personality, personality thing. And, and the blue collar thing landed too. Cause you got a kid going to school, working and working on his bike. It's, I guess it's like you said, it's a matter of time. If he gets up on that box, I, I think that people will really latch onto his personality and his work ethic and his attitude and, and, and run with it, you know?
0: Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you some tricky questions right here. Uh, A lot of amateurs are moving up to the pro class, so that's going to open the door in the singles class. Who's going to win that uh, singles championship in 2019?
1: Oh, man. I was actually – I feel like it's a pipe dream just due to experience. I I would never cancel someone like Dallas Daniels or Trent Lowe out of the deal. But personally, I think the person who's got the best chance, or I'm going to give two people, uh, I would say I think Shayna Texter, if she's consistent, can do it. And I think Oliver Brimley, if he's consistent and, and keeps improving the way he improves, I think he's got a really good shot too.
0: Yeah, I, I like both of those answers. You know, shaynas I think her only downfall is the TTs and, you know, um, losing that one mile at Arizona and then, of course, losing the mile in Oklahoma City, that might hurt her a little bit, but I think she'll still be running up front. Um, Oliver Brimley, I think if he could – he could get a mechanic that that you know I not not taking anything away from what's going on with his group, but a mechanic that's been around the block a little bit. I think that would would make a lot of uh, uh, help in his pit area. So I, I like your choices there. So who's gonna win the production twins class?
1: I don't know who all the riders are in the production twins class quite yet. Uh,
0: okay, that's that's fair.
1: But i'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna go with my 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 heart on this one. And after seeing what Ben Ben Lau did at Spring at Springfield, and knowing what's going on with every, with some people's programs, I I'm gonna throw Ben's name out there. I got a lot of faith in the kid, and and I'm gonna help him any way I can.
0: All right, I love it. What about the uh, the Grand National, the AFT Twins class? Who's gonna win it? Will Jared win three in a row?
1: Oh, history history's on Jared's side. I'm gonna say. Jared, but I have two people that I think have, have just as good of a chance if everything works out. And that's obviously Brian Smith and I think Henry Wildes has got a hell of a shot too.
0: Yeah, Henry kind of flew under the radar in my opinion, even though he had the best season of his career. I mean, finishing second in the point standings, yeah, he didn't win as many races as he has in the past, but you know, keeping the streak alive at Peoria and then like I said, finishing second in the point standings, that's awesome. So he's gotta he's gotta bring that momentum into twenty nineteen, I would think.
1: Oh yeah and he's he's got a good support group around him. I I am one of Henry's sponsors. I'm not a big money contributor but I, I help him out with bodywork and stuff and and having that experience with Brian Bigelow wrenching for him kind of guiding him. They have a really really good working relationship just getting back to and sitting and watching him interact. You know that's like really good really good energy between those two and and that's that's really potent.
0: Uh, i got i got a good one for you so I think just about every day you do a facebook live stream so and you have all the i mean all the riders in the pit area and a bunch of other people tune in so how did you get started doing that
1: when I first started doing the glass there wasn't a lot of stuff on the internet of of people doing fiberglass and people had always asked me at the track well how do you do that what happens and and I'm just sitting there, and I'm a I'm a really visual and and a hands-on kind of guy, so I said, you know what the hell I'll I'll use this Facebook video thing. I'll, I'll do a Facebook video of me making something. So it kind of turned from making something, and and I have that thing and that that phone in front of my face, and I see the comments, and it, it could be something as as simple as like they're asking a technical question, or I get text that people send me while i'm doing the video with like inappropriate questions that i can't answer you know and <laughs> and yeah there there's there's been some strange ones i've gotten and and i actually kind of threw somebody under the bus i put their phone number out there and and played the prank back at them in hopes that people would start just bombarding their phone with text or, or whatever but it it's i mean it turned from everything to someone's like hey so-and-so said you know how to play harmonica i'm like yeah He's like we'll bring it out and i'm sitting there like oh brother says so i stop real quick and grab a harmonica and oh you can play harmonica and then there's another one where someone was like uh so-and-so said you could play accordion and i'm sitting there like going to the bathroom and it just so happens that there's an accordion sitting that you know next to the window kind of on display and i start playing it people are like are you playing an accordion in the toilet and i'm like yeah yeah i am actually you know <laughs> so <laughs> no shame in that game what the heck so it was entertaining and i figured you know it's it's uh, at least people get a glimpse of my personality i'm i'm lighthearted i like to have a good time and I, I i like when other people around me have a good time too
0: so how many how many people typically watch your your live streams
1: i just figured out how to count the people that watch the live streams when they're actually live i want to say i'm averaging around 20 some viewers but of those 20 some viewers I couldn't tell you how many more of them share it and tell people about it, and they come back and watch. And then I'll see comments pop up on my Facebook uh, board, my bulletin, my wall, and right. and there'll be comments from a video a month ago. And I'm like, yeah. geez, that thing's still circulating out there. Okay,
0: that's cool, man. That that's got to make you feel good.
1: It it does because when I got started here, it got started doing this. I like I said, I kind of got pushed in a corner with the with how things got started. And, and and things kind of went good and they tapered off and then they took off like a rocket ship. And, and I just said, you know what the, I I have the puck, I have the ball and I'm, I'm skating or running with it and you're not going to stop me until I put it in the net, you know?
0: Right on dude. I love it. I love what you're doing. So keep it up. I want to talk to you about one more uh, racing, uh, you know, ice racing deal. I guess you and your dad, are winner of the middleweight sidecar ice grand championships and the 250 and 250 end up non studded classes so who who rides in the in the sidecar when you're racing on the ice with your dad
1: well my my dad is lighter than i am my dad's a midget compared to me he's like five six and i'm almost six foot tall so dad's 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 the, the traction control basically because you're okay. you're both it, it's it's very similar to – the setup's very similar to a Speedway sidecar. He's a monkey. I, I will give him credit. He is also a hell of a driver. So he he does well as a driver. He'll tell you he's not as good as I am, but he's a good driver, and I think he's capable if, if, if I monkeyed for him or somebody else lighter than me, he would be capable of pulling off the same thing. But we had been working on that. Uh, a friend of ours, Greg Bradish, got us into it. And he let us borrow a bike and we won our first race. And right after that, my dad and I actually bought a Rotax, converted a Rotax into a, into a fi, It's a 500 CC sidecar. And we set a goal of winning a district title. We did that. And there was a hiatus of ice nationals. And then this year we finally had the ice national again. And we went out there and we won our middleweight sidecar class and our district title this year. So I was excited about that.
0: Do you, uh, do you have a nickname for your dad? Cause it's the goon and the monkey or is it, does he have a, does he have another deal?
1: Some people joke around and call dad goon daddy. And it's, it's not often because like up, up where he's from, he's from the Bay area. And when we go ice racing up there at Valley trail riders, you keep hearing this name, and I've never asked them why because I don't want to know why, but my dad's nickname is Tuna.
0: Okay. So, Goon and Tuna. <laughs> Goon and yeah. Tuna. Do it again. All right. I like it. So, now it's time for our, our part of the episode. It's time for Graham's question, and she wants to know, what is your favorite piece or part to make for, for flat track racing?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I would say... I really like making the right now it's that new seat I made. I, I I came out with a new seat geared at production twins riders for anybody that has that Kawasaki in a variety of different frames, and I called it the interceptor. And that one right now is probably my favorite to make
0: right on okay do you do you paint after you after you have them come out, are they all white or do you paint them different colors or is that not in your is that not in your shoe house or? you know how does that work out
1: i i don't do i haven't really done a lot of paint work typically when i pop a part out i it comes out white white gel coat white's the easiest thing to paint from what i've been told and that's probably why most fiberglass parts are white um if you get a ding in it or someone messes something up like if they've it run a white seat and they don't do anything to it white hides some imperfections a little bit better but i have done and when people ask i have done uh all of Richard Weirbach's fort guards, those are those are custom and those were gel-coated green. And I've done a few reds and blacks and a couple of really oddball deals, but for the most part, everything's white and I don't do much painting at all.
0: Okay. I like it. I mean I feel like I could talk to you for hours. I've got so many questions, but we're trying to wrap up the episode right now and we end our episode every time with rapid fire questions. So Whatever comes to mind when I ask you the question, that's what I want to hear. Are you ready? Fire away. Where's Brombo's seat? Oh,
1: Jesus. <laughs> all right. Ah, no, that's a I, I wanna thank Tyler Porter for egging that on. Um all right. So so that seat shipped already last week and he has it and I actually tried to call him today and uh Bronson did not call me back. So I, wow. I think he's busy doing it. He's busy doing important flat track stuff, so I can't okay. blame the guy. He'll probably call me back and go, "Oh, I love it and this that and you know." So, okay, I'm so I'm excited what, about it. I'm more excited about him getting it than he, than he is probably getting it.
0: I just I just heard that was a run and choke on all of your uh every your daily feed, so I just want to give you a hard time about that. So, um, next question is, what is your favorite motorcycle you've ever ridden?
1: 750 Yamaha, and a Champion frame. No That's doubt. Right.
0: All right, what's your favorite racetrack?
1: The track where I got hurt, Flamborough Dons, Ontario.
0: Okay, is that a cushion? Isn't that a cushion half mile?
1: If if God created a a deep cushion half mile and 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 dropped it on the earth and blessed it himself, that would be it right there. It is a deep cushion half mile. It's it's actually five eight. It's super wide. It's high bank. If 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 my slow old self can run a 50 Yamaha in there with a the gas tap, I can only imagine what other people can do there.
0: All right. I'm going to have to put that one on my uh, bucket list for sure then. Um, what is your favorite question to ask ask Alexa? Uh,
1: typically, right now, play Alexa play Chris Ledoux.
0: Okay. All right. I hope she doesn't start playing right now.
1: No, I actually made sure I was inside of my house in my living room, so that didn't okay. happen.
0: All right. What is the best fiberglass part on a motorcycle?
1: <whistles> hmm. I would say the gas tank. Why is that? It's it's a multi-step process, and I, I personally feel like the gas really sets the tone for the entire machine.
0: Love it. I love that answer. If you could make one part the rest of your life, what part would it be?
1: Wow. Um, champion fiberglass. Anything for a champion frame.
0: Okay. Kevin Lambert, the goon, I really, really appreciate your time. This has been a long time coming. You know, Like I said, all the people wanted to hear from you, and I'm glad we got you on here. At the end of our episode, we always ask our whoever – our guest is, if they want to say thanks to anybody, so here's your chance to thank anybody you'd like.
1: All right. Before we get going with this, I want to, I want to just okay. It if, if I have a lot of people to thank, and I want to make sure everybody's thanked, and I, I, I do have a list in front of me.
0: Do it. Let's hear it.
1: Uh, all right. This is I. I don't want to sound like the micro machines commercial guy, so I'm going to try to be kind of mid speed, not full throttle on this one. So, first things first. Goon, Glass, and Rubber Lambert Cycle Solutions, that is myself, trying to make flat track great again, my mom and dad, NAP Racing, Jim, Bob, Dave, Robbie, Taylor, Janet, Katie, and Patty, Roger at Magnum, Ben Lau Racing, Bruce Law Excavating, Low Life Performance, Mike and Rob Williams of Buck Wheat Racing, Tin Shack Cycle, Sean McSparren, Bubba and Race, Harley-Davidson, Lapier, Michigan, Steve Smith, Michigan, Fusion Racewear, Bell Helmet, Dale Fundam Excavating, Flag City Machine, Howard McWhorter, the Monocle Family, Tom Dunn, AMA District 14, and the Michigan Mafia. Tim Humphreys of Ohio Boss, Stephen Neeson, Kevin Neeson, Lucas Deneuve, Michigan Fiberglass Supply, Spirit of Sturgis, Shinko Tire USA, Steve Murray at Murray Mechanical, Flat Track Canada, Canada my bad, Throttle Twisting Breakless Bastards, Mike and Mojo at Ellers Harley-Davidson, Len Neely, Ohio Boss, Lucky Thumb Motorcycle Club, Polka Dots, Valley Trail Riders, Muskegon Motorcycle Club, I-96, and Owasso Motorsports Park, Brad Hazel Machining, Englehart Racing Technologies, Ben Evans, and Dave Cycle. Any of my sponsored riders, past and present, Corey Texter, Jer Addison, Justin Jones, Jeff Carver, Chad Coase, Henry Wiles, Billy Ross, James Monaco, and Ben Lau. The Curler family at Linwood Cycle, Brian Bigelow, Get More Bite, Lloyd Brothers Racing, Jay Maloney, Mike Vittel, Taryn at Rotor Racing. Uh, these are some of my Marine Corps friends. The first one I want to thank, uh, Lance Corporal Fausto Lockhart, Lockhart, United States Marine Corps, 2nd Battalion, 8th Marines, Battle of Fallujah. Rest in peace, my brother. 1st Sergeant John Thrash, Sergeant Jabory Partey, Lance Corporal Woody Woodrum, Corporal Fernando Cervantes. Uh, I want to thank my spiritual advisor, Father Tim Hogan, U.S. Navy. I'd like to thank Parker Norris's grandpa and his family. Jet will be John's working. Joe Bishop Racing, Triangle Motorcycle Club. Kelly and Steve at Steve Nace Racing. Dave, Dave Allen and Steve Rabinett, thumb coating and Barry Smith at Smith racing. If it weren't for Barry, there wouldn't be any goon glass,
0: man. I love that. You nailed it. That was perfect. And uh, before we let you go, I want to know, how can people follow you with your live streams?
1: All right. If you want to follow me, all you got to do is look up Kevin Lambert jr. On Facebook, make, don't confuse me with my dad. That's Kevin Lambert. And you can differentiate us because my beard is substantially shorter than his. He plays Santa Claus. So just look up Kevin Lambert Jr. on Facebook, and you can add me as a friend. Most likely I'll accept you unless you're one of those weird, like like hot chicks with, like, the text this number for whatever on it. I'm, I'm not going to accept your friend request or if you have a weird foreign name and a really racy picture, you know.
0: Okay. What about how can people get parts from you? Do you go through Facebook as well?
1: I go through Facebook. I go through, I have a couple of ads on vintage flat track. That's like, that was the go-to for ages. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so VFT, Facebook, I do have an Instagram account. It's uh nine. That's pretty easy to find. And you're, anyone is welcome to call me day or night. Anytime I'll, pro- I'll answer the phone. Trust me. Two, four, eight, two, four, five, nine, nine, one, nine. And I'm going to kind of be a hypocrite here. If I don't answer the phone, cause I'm busy. You can leave a message or shoot me a text and I'll get back with you as soon as possible.
0: Goon, thank, thank you so much for your time. It's good getting to know you. It's good to, you know, to know the person behind what you're doing. And I love it. Keep it up. And uh, we'll see you at the track.
1: All right. I thank you very much, Scotty and Chris. I'm, I'm really honored for you guys asking me and honored that anyone would even consider me for something like this.
0: Thanks a lot, man. We appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you guys. Thank you for what you do.
2: There you have it ladies and gentlemen.
0: He's pretty funny. He wasn't as funny on off the groove as he is on his Facebook daily videos. Yeah, I think he was on his out.
2: He was on his best behavior. Um but that's cool. I mean, he he obviously knows his stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, people go to him, people use his products and he knows flat track.
2: Yeah, another example of somebody that you know, has a passion for for the series and supports riders beyond just financial support. So there's one thing I do have to ask you about that interview, though, Scotty. What the hell is a shoe house?
0: <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, was, I was trying to think of wheelhouse, and then I, 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 maybe I was thinking about some new shoes for Christmas. I don't know because I love shoes.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure you I said shoe, shoe house. <laughs> Yeah, it was right in the middle of the interview. And we, for those of you who don't understand how we do these, we're, we're on Skype. So we're looking at each other, making faces the whole time, not the whole time, but when something happens and I'm on mute, he said, shoe house. I just like made a face like, what the hell are you talking about? And I could not stop laughing for like three, four minutes.
0: I'm pretty sure I turned red. Yeah, I'd and have, nobody can see me but no, you.
2: Yeah, I'd have to go so. back and listen to what you actually talked about for the next three minutes because I was just laughing my ass
0: <laughs> off the whole time.
2: Shoe house, you know ladies and gentlemen, it's right in your shoe house, yeah, guys. Right,
0: right in your shoe house, right next to your Nikes.
2: That'll be an ongoing joke. I could have just edited that out, but I wanted to make sure I made fun of you in that in the outro, and we brought that up, well, so it
0: can so be an ongoing just, gag. But- I make fun of you for not pushing record all the time all so the I guess time. you got one on me
2: I, you gotta always get, have one for sure what else is going on man Was that it are we done
0: I think that's it time for Christmas short and time sweet for Christmas break yeah, yeah.
2: What, are, what are you asking for Christmas for Santa Claus
0: I need a new shoe house
2: <laughs> you need shoes for your shoe house
0: I have plenty of shoes I need a shoe house I actually just gave four pair there's some homeless people that stand on the corner down the street not too far from my house yeah and I gave four pa- four pairs of shoes I tied them together so they were you know matched that's not together. very
2: nice you're gonna trip the homeless
0: no they can untie them and put them on properly oh, okay. But do my part in helping out people
2: Scotty Dubler doing his part
0: that's just a small part but yeah instead of throwing them away somebody can use them
2: absolutely did you sign him Scotty Dubler
0: you know I did and I gave him a sticker too
2: nice and off the groove sticker
0: I don't have any of those we gotta we gotta work on that i've got to get some more stickers my scotty dubler i got my scotty dubler sticker with the microphone that, maybe we can uh, start handing them access. out to fans
2: too if you're interested in getting a, a off the groove sticker let us know
0: we gotta have to, we're gonna have to get some yeah it's
2: all right let's see if there's a demand for them first
0: all right
2: i always say you should make a t-shirt but you don't think anybody's gonna buy a scotty dubler off the groove t-shirt
0: who, who would buy a Scotty Dubler?
2: I could probably t-shirt. name seven people right now that would buy an off the groove Scotty Dubler T-shirt. Myself being that, one of
0: them. Is that worth getting some made?
2: I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we know T-shirt peeps too. So, have you seen these jackets that everybody's posting?
0: Oh, those are those are sweet. I want to get little off the sure.
2: groove with the 43 number on the side.
0: Who's making those? Uh, I saw J- James Monaco posted them. He's got some. James
2: Monaco has one. I saw red with one. I saw Kevin Stallings with one. There's a bunch of people that have them. Let me find out who that is. Mac Daddy Racing. He's the guy that I saw on Facebook that's uh, apparently making those jackets.
0: That's George Mac. Mac Daddy Racing, man. He supports a lot of people and I think those coats are really cool.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I might have to put in an order for that. Little... uh, you just gonna get one? Maybe. Unless you I think know. you need
0: one extra large. Yeah for me
2: uh, He said that uh, he can take just about anything the logo wise So maybe we send him an off the groove logo and uh, get in a little number 43 number plate with Scotty it. I don't know by the time I get that jacket though. It'll be hot. I mean, I live in Florida There's only like a week out of the year that I could wear a jacket
0: So in other words, you're backing out on me getting a jacket
2: I didn't say I'm backing out on you getting a jacket because you live oh, in Oklahoma okay. and it gets cold there for a while it's chilly. Either way, if you are a flat track fan or a flat tracker yourself, you should check out those jackets.
0: Those are cool. I, I really like
2: them. Good idea, Mac Daddy. I'm done. Are you done?
0: Yeah, man. I just, I hope you know all of our listeners have a Merry Christmas and happy and safe holiday season and uh, keeping it on two wheels and can't wait to talk to you next Friday.
2: Hope you enjoyed the game. There was a bunch of people that wanted that one, so... Glad we can deliver. We'll talk to you next week, people.